Jesus, we're so grateful that that is who you are. You are the one that takes what's messed up and makes something beautiful out of it. Jesus, you are the one that we can come to with the broken parts of our life, and you can make purpose and sense out of what doesn't make sense. God, thank you that we can lean into you today and into your word, and we can look to you for comfort in all the craziness. We can look for, to you for stability when everything seems liquid. <laughs> so God, we thank you of what your word says. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can lift you up today, no matter where we're at, no matter when we're watching, God, we can lift you up today. Be with us, God. Bring truth out today, God. Reveal it to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome today. It is so great to see you today. And before we go any further, I want to introduce to you some new people that you're going to get to know and love. And this is Colin and Emily Meyer right here. So uh, these are the latest uh, members of our team, very important additions to our team. And the pastoral staff and church leadership uh, are so excited to welcome you to be a part of this family, family, life, church. So now you're in. That's all it takes. But uh, Colin will be serving as our full-time worship pastor, and which is going to be a great thing. We thought we'd let him just dip his toe in the water today. And, uh, but next week, he's going to be leading. Emily, welcome to the team. We're so glad uh, that you're here, and you're going to love getting to know this couple from Albany, George Fox Products, Love Newberg. So all good things, right? All good things. Would you stretch your hand this way? We're just going to pray over this new beginning. God, we thank you for new beginnings. We thank you for starts, fresh starts, and thank you for new additions. And God, I thank you that you have a plan. Don't believe in random acts. God, we know that uh, there is a reason why you're adding Colin and Emily to this team for this time. God, I pray blessing over their lives as they transition. God, I pray you'd meet every need. And God, that you would just take their hearts and stick them to us. And God, help our hearts just get attached to them. And we just thank you for the future in these next coming days with this great addition. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, we uh, want to welcome you today, whether you're watching today. Some people are in the room today. We got some peeps, some excited people right here in this room. But maybe you're watching from Yamhill County, from Newber, from Carlton, from George Fox, in your jammies. We're jealous. Wherever you're watching, we say welcome. We're so glad you're here. And uh, we are in the second part of a series we started last week called You're Not Far. You're Not Far. Jesus said, to a teacher at one time that was leaning into where Jesus was going, and he leaned into him and he said, you're not far from the kingdom. Let me tell you what, when you're not far from the kingdom, the good news is, is the kingdom is not far from you. Amen. And let me tell you, we uh, are talking about a story that should have died in Rome. This story should have been stomped out and long forgotten centuries ago, but it wasn't. It's the story of Jesus of Nazareth, as told by Simon Peter, and as recorded by John Mark. Okay, so Peter was 
a first century fisherman in a rural area. Most likely he was illiterate. Probably, uh, uh, maybe he might have been able to read a little, but probably couldn't write like Mark, being a Greek, had that gifting, and he brings out this story. And what you need to know, and I'm going to dive into a little church history here for you. For 30 years, Peter went around and told his story. Peter uh, told his life, and he told all the embarrassing parts. If you, if you listen to Peter and look at his story, I mean, there's a lot of stuff he includes that, that were the embarrassing parts but became a part of his story. And that's how I think that's why so many of us can relate to Peter is because he's always the one saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, and God still comes through for him. And so what we see is that uh, Mark doesn't want to see this story die with him because after 30 years... He is, Nero gets him and arrests him and put it, puts him in jail. And so Mark is sitting there and saying, I, I, I want to record your story, not just for those in the room, but for, for those to read, for those to know, for those to hear everything I've been, as I've been traveling with you, Peter, the stuff that comes out of you about Jesus, we've got to record this. And I don't want you to think of this as he's writing the Bible. He's writing Peter's story. And then he would smuggle that out of Rome to Alexandria, Egypt, and then it was copied and distributed and collected. And in the fourth century, all those letters come together and they become our Bible. We put the Old Testament with it and that's our Bible. But for now, Peter and Mark are together and Peter begins his gospel. I know it's named Mark, but it's Peter's story. And 1-1, one, one, he, he begins with the end in mind. What does he say in 1-1? One, one, he says this, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So he just starts right off the bat and said, I'm going to introduce you to something, but Jesus is God. That's great. And then it says that he went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, which is what? What was the good news that he was proclaiming? This is what Jesus, not like ask forgiveness for your sins on the cross because that hadn't happened yet. What did he say? He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And last week, you remember, that word repent literally means turn towards. Turn towards this new kingdom. Turn towards this newness that I'm bringing in. And as we get going, what was the first century's response? What was people's response to this good news? Well, we see it in Mark 1, The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Now we got to realize is Israel's this long, narrow country, right? And down in the south, you've got the arid dry, you've got Jerusalem, you've got the temple. And Jesus makes his way north up around the Sea of Galilee, very beautiful area, very lush green area, and this whole area. And that's where he bases out of a little town called Capernaum. See, that was Peter's hometown. That was his stomping ground. You can see he starts down and he works his way up here and this is his home base and he's teaching right in here. And Peter and John and the first disciples are clustered there. And so it begins. But let me just tell you, this kingdom that Jesus was bringing, it was disruptive. It was disruptive. He was changing the order of things. We read things and and we, we don't think about the context in which it came from. Peter walks through three 
descriptive, really paradigm-shifting narratives pieced together, and it confronts how Jesus' values was confronting what people knew and what they did against the system that stood at that time. Three things that Jesus did. Well, he ignored certain religious protocols. He ignored them. We're going to see that today. He claimed to have authority to forgive sins. That's a big deal. And he was uncomfortably comfortable with unrepentant sinners. Those three things just literally turned everything on its head. What these are, these are roadblocks and things that keep people from God. Maybe the things that have kept you from God. You know, I'd go, but all the church has all these rules and all these ways you're supposed to do stuff. I don't know all that stuff. And man, I don't think the things I've done can ever be forgiven. And Christians don't want to have anything to do with people that aren't like them. Isn't it interesting that Jesus came and broke down the obstacles to God? But what we find is a couple hundred years later, the, churches, the church put them all back in. That's a story for a different time. But I want to illustrate these with three encounters because Mark is a book of action because Peter is a person of action. And so you see, man, he just goes and clips through and starts telling stories and events that stuck out in his mind. So I want you to picture Peter in this jail cell and, and Mark saying, okay, tell me more. And he's going, okay, okay we got to put this in there. we got to put this in there. And, and he's removing these obstacles. But look, Peter's point is that this king came to reverse the order of things. And in verse 39 out of chapter 1, it says, So they ta- traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. And right away, a man with leprosy came to him, and he begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. You know, there's something about leprosy. We don't see that in our culture today. We don't understand, but any skin disease could be labeled as leprosy, but that was one of the things that would cast people out and ostracize them from society. Really, they were in limbo. They, they were unable to die, and they were unable to participate in life. I had an opportunity, uh, a great privilege to be able to go to the country of India and I was able to hang out with people who had leprosy. As you know, Good News India is a ministry that was reached out and given homes and dignity to people with leprosy. And as we went in, there's that check. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Here they come, missing fingers and deformed from this disease that's eating things away. And I thought, you know what I got to do? I got to touch them. I got to touch them. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And I want you to notice something. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I, I love that. That's great faith. You know what that faith is? Confident Jesus can, hopeful that he will. Isn't that what faith is? Confidence that Jesus can, hopeful that he will. And speaking of Jesus, he reached out his hand and he touched the man, okay? This is shocking. The Old Testament is all about what you're not supposed to touch, and this is one of them. You don't touch anybody with leprosy. The man comes to Jesus and asks for his help. What's the first thing Jesus does? He touches him. And he says this, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell anyone... (laughs) 
<laughs> but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses command for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So isn't it interesting? He said, I want you to observe the law in this. I want you to travel all the way down to the temple and show yourself to the priest. I want, I want you to show that you're clean. But isn't it interesting? You know what? If he would have followed the law completely, Jesus was supposed to go with him. Why? Because he just touched a leper, so he was supposed to get cleansed as well. And so what we're seeing here is how Jesus is changing the order of things. It's a time of transition. The old is passing away. The king has arrived. The kingdom is coming near. And then it goes on in verse 45, and it says, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. And like I said, Peter loves action. He pushes us along, and Jesus and his followers return again to his hometown around Capernaum, probably needing supplies. They've been out and about because there's too many crowds, so they're out along the seashore, and he's using, he's using uh, Peter's boat as a pulpit. And then they're on the mountainside, but they come into town probably for supplies, and they end up in a house. Jesus is teaching in a house. And Mark chapter 2, verse 2 says, So they, sat, they gathered in such large numbers that was, there was no room left in the house, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. What is Jesus preaching? What is his message? Again, it's the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Probably one of my favorite stories in all the New Testament happens next, and Peter wants to make sure it's there. In verse 3, it says, Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat with the man lying on it. Now, I don't know about you, but there's not enough detail in here for me. I need to know what's going on. Because I don't know about you, but if somebody's on my roof, you know, and say, hey, I got an idea. Whose idea was this anyway? Hey, we can't get in. Let's cut a hole in the roof and drop him in, you know. And I can see the guy on the mat going, oh, this is not a good idea. I mean, but what, you know, he's paralyzed. What's he going to do, right? But I want to know what's going on inside the house. Jesus is teaching. He's probably in a great moment. And all of a sudden, they hear this. I don't know if they had a sawzall or whatever, but all of a sudden dust has got to be coming in. One thing, one, one translation says they moved the tile. This guy didn't have a skylight in his house, but now he does. I mean, what's the owner saying? It's like, whoa, I just invited the teacher in. And Jesus is like, sorry, crazy things happen when I arrive. And all of a sudden they start lowering this man down. I mean, you see Jesus is down. I was like, ee, 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 ee. Oh, little left, little left. And he comes down. Is that too much detail? I just need to know. But the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, what kind of faith? That same faith. Confident that Jesus can, hoping that he will. You don't go to all that trouble and lower this man down in front of Jesus if you aren't confident that he can do something. Amen. And that's the faith that Jesus sees in them. And then he said to the paralyzed man, so Jesus addresses him, what is he going to do? He's right in front of him now, right? And Peter is ready for another healing. So I can imagine Peter going, okay, this is going to get good. But Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. First thing he says. And the crowd goes, what? Who can forgive sin? What do you mean? 
Without a sacrifice, without a priest, what's going on here? The crowd couldn't believe it. The implications to Jesus' audience was crazy. Think about this. Forgiveness without a sacrifice, without a priest. Who does he think? Does he think he's greater than the temple? And then the man on the mat kind of goes, what? (laughs) That's not what I dropped in for. I dropped in for like to get out of here on my feet. And you're just telling me my sins are forgiven. And it says, now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there and thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Now, Peter's got to make a note to himself. Okay, he heals lepers, he casts out demons, and he can read minds. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble, <laughs> right? But Jesus says, which is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, to get up, take your mat, and walk? The answer's easy, but what's the point here? You see, in this culture, in this time, they assume the relationship between sickness and sin, right? You're sick because you sinned. Something's wrong with you because you did something wrong. And Jesus rejected this view. Why did Jesus reject this view? Guess what? Jesus was there at Genesis. The Bible says he was there when this all went down, when sin came into the world. You know what? We live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. That means that bad things are going to happen to good people. Things are going to happen in our culture we don't understand, and in our world we don't understand. And we don't blame it on someone's sin. We know that sin is in the world. Isn't that interesting? But Jesus sets this straight, but he said, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. If Jesus can reverse the consequences of sin with a word, he may in fact have the authority to forgive sins as well. Because he just took care of the consequences of sin in this man's life. And he got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of all of them. Look at that. This is not fake news, (laughs) right? I have collaboration. Everyone saw this. Peter wants to make sure you know that. I wasn't the only, there's a crowd there that saw this. And then they said this, we've never seen anything like this. (laughs) Come on, there had to be a little something more than that, but it's like, we haven't seen anything like this. And do you ever wonder if God can forgive your sin? I mean, when you're alone, when you're by yourself, when you're thinking about all the things that you have done that's only known to you, do you ever have that moment where you think, man, how can God forgive me for what I've done? Is peace of God possible? And that is exactly why Peter puts this story here and makes sure that you see that Jesus cares very much about healing you and forgiving you and reaching out and touching those places in your life that you thought were hidden to the world. And it doesn't put him off. The Old Testament said, don't touch this, don't touch that. The first thing Jesus does when he comes is he embraces those that need him. And with this account, Peter lays the foundation really for the conflict that's going to follow Jesus between him and the religious leaders. 
And then he rushes along for the third encounter. Okay, we've got the leper, leper that he touches and heals, and we've got the man that comes down on the mat and he heals him. And then it changes. As they walked along, verse 14, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Let me just tell you, how did Mark know who Levi's father was? Do you ever just stop and think about this? How did he know who's... Because Peter told him. Because this is a small town. Listen, they're in Peter's hometown. This is Peter's tax collector. Now, you might know the culture in this time. These tax collectors were people that would be working for a hostile, occupying government. They were really going against everything they know that's right to do. They're selling out the people that they're related to, and they can charge as much as they want. He's a part of the despised class. He is a tax collector. And Peter is now a disciple with a very popular rabbi. And Levi is a despised customs officer, and Jesus stops. And you can imagine what's going through Peter's mind. I mean, Peter's got, it's Peter and John and James, and they've got this small group, and he's like, this is comfortable. I love it. We're watching Jesus all, do the, all these amazing things. I know everybody. Everybody knows me. I like everybody we're with. Everybody likes me. This is good. And Peter thinks that, wait a minute, this is too disruptive. And Jesus looks at Levi and says, follow me. And Peter's going, hang on, you know, I don't know what the paralyzed guy was guilty of, you know, but I mean, how much sin can a paralyzed guy do? But I don't know what he's guilty of, but Levi, everybody knows what he's done wrong. Touching lepers is risky, but rubbing shoulders with people like Levi, it's going to cause irreversible damage to your reputation, Jesus. It would offend the patriotic sensibilities of the working class and the religious sensibilities of the religious. This is a lose-lose. A lot of times we just blow right by this and go, oh, he picked, he picked Levi. He, he goes up and takes him right out of the tax booth. And Peter's going, that's my tax guy. I hate this guy. And they had this perfect small group, like I said. Peter liked everybody. People knew, but there was nobody in the group like Levi. And there was no way that Levi would give up his cussy job. I'm sure he's not going to leave all that money to follow this, so there's no problem. And Levi got up and followed. Isn't it interesting that Peter doesn't include anyone's else, anyone else's invitations of his disciples, but he includes this one. You see, this is another example that the kingdom of God has come. Everybody is invited to participate in it. Even folks like Levi, who have betrayed their people out of greed. And like Peter, who would deny his Savior later on. Even folks, even folks like me, who was raised to obey the Bible and so many times didn't. 
You see the fact that if God can reach out to a Levi, if God can connect with a Peter, the kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. The people that are supposed to be there aren't there. The people that aren't supposed to be there, they're getting a front-row ticket. But Peter's way of what he thought and what he knew was passing away. And Mark 1.15 says this, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. This new way would collide with Peter's way of what he thought and with the, the teachers of the law way. And guess what? It, it collided with his fear. It collided with his insecurity. It collided with his prejudice. That person's not like me. We don't touch those kind of people. That's why they live out there and we keep them out there. And Jesus said, no, no, the kingdom of God has come near. That means we embrace. That means we touch. But, you know, maybe the consequences of their life has caused these outcomes. doesn't matter. I can reverse that order in their life just like I've done it in yours. And Peter and Andrew and James and John, they have a decision to make. (laughs) Think about this. They have a decision. Wait a minute. If he's going to let these kind of people into our group, do we walk away? Do we save our reputations? Or do we, like he's telling everybody else, do we repent and believe and lean into this new kingdom? You see, Jesus came and He did these things where he began to ignore certain religious protocols. He said, you know what? I know what religion says, but here's what I say. I love that. Jesus came forgiving sin because sin doesn't have a connection with no matter how, what's wrong in your life, the bad things that happen isn't tied to sin because Jesus says, I can reverse that. And there was something so crazy. He was uncomfortably comfortable with unrepentant sinners. The story goes on to say that he hangs out at Levi's house with a bunch of Levi's friends. And guess what? Some of them might have never come to faith in him, but he spent time with him and with them. Lose, lose. No, it's the kingdom of God. The good news is that God accepts sinners and invites them into a new kind of kingdom. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and turn towards, embrace this new kingdom. And what happens next is going to make Peter just shake his head and laugh. But we're going to save that till next week. I like cliffhangers. How about you? Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this kingdom that you came to present centuries ago, the first century, in such a crazy time, in such a difficult, harsh, critical time in history, in a time where freedom was limited and where governments were oppressive and where religion ruled the day instead of relationship, but you came and turned it all upside down.
And God, when I look at people that you're willing to touch, I'm so thankful that you are a God that reaches out and touches the untouchable because there's many of us, maybe in the room today, that might feel that way. God, I thank you that you can look and you can reverse the order of sin and bring healing into our life, whether we're laying out on a mat or maybe it's just a scar so deep in our soul because of something that's happened to us or something we've done, and you just say, I can forgive that, and I can bring healing to that. And you can reach out to people that we never thought stood a chance for anything. And you can reach out to people that we might be very, very uncomfortable with, but you're comfortable with them. And you're asking us, put down your pride. Put down maybe the things that make you feel better. Maybe put down your prejudice and start thinking like the new kingdom because it's come near. Jesus, I pray for those in this room right now and those online that are watching no matter when they're watching, no matter how they're watching, God, I pray that you would just help them to come to a place of decision. A decision that what am I going to do with this story? What am I going to do with Jesus? God, if there are those in the room today or those in the sound of my voice digitally or live that would say, you know what, I need Jesus. I need someone that will just look past all my junk and accept me and touch me and embrace me. God, I pray that they would lean into that because the kingdom of God is very near to them. If they'll just receive it, repent, turn towards it, embrace it. Realize that Jesus is different than maybe the church said he was or religion said he was. Jesus is God wrapped in skin wanting to embrace a broken world, a broken heart, a broken life. God, I pray in Jesus' name you would just help people to make that decision today. God, I pray for those in the room that are making the decision to, man, I need to act a little bit more like Jesus and a less a little bit more like the religious person that I sometimes act like. Maybe we need to put down some protocols, barriers in our life and start reaching like Jesus reached, being confident. God, I pray for those that would have renewed faith, that we're confident that we know you can and we're hopeful that you will. Thank you, God, that you're so close that we can touch you. We can just turn towards you. We could have taken a thousand steps away from you, Jesus, but God, thank you that there's just one step back. Help us to know you in a fresh and a new way. Thank you for somebody like Peter that just puts it all out there in action and warts and all, imperfections, and tells us the way it happened. Thank you that there are witnesses that were willing to pass it down to us today. It's just as real and it's just as relevant and the kingdom is just as near as ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've made a decision for Christ today, or if you've decided in your heart that maybe you need to make a change, there's a way that you can connect with us watching online. There's a way that you can connect with us right now as you can take a moment and maybe email us or put it on a, on a communication card and let us know how we can be praying with you and walking with you and connecting with you. Thank you for being willing to come live in the protocols that we need to be under right now. Thank you for watching online and joining us there. If you'd like to give today, you can do so. There's a bucket on the info booth as you leave. Uh, that's the best way to do that without passing uh, 
cooties around on the buckets. And uh, if you'd like to give online, you can do that. There's a give button right on our website. And we thank you for that. You know, I just want to report that we've been collecting monies for the fire victims. The church in Blue River that lost, total loss, the church burned down, the pastor's house burned down, the, the retreat facility they were building for ministers burned down. Most every person in that church lost their home. And you know what? Your generosity, almost $4,000 came in from here. And let me just tell you, hang on. They, were, they had a goal of $50,000 for our network to raise, and they're getting close to $200,000. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. You can still give. You can continue to give. Just mark your offering. It says Oregon Fires on the drop down. Every dime of that will go straight through Family Life Church to the need. And uh, that's exciting when we can be a, a part of that. God is near. God is close. God loves you. He's reaching out to you. Amen. Would you stand with me today? I'm so glad to see your faces until I see you again, until maybe you see me on this screen again. I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life. Whether he's walking by your booth or you feel so lame, you're just getting lowered in front of him, or you feel untouchable, guess what? Jesus is looking at you, and he's going to touch you today. God bless you as you go live the life. Hey, guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus, and we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. But I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.